BioInsights podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the BioInsights podcast in partnership with Lonza. I'm Abby Pinchbeck, an editor at BioInsights, and today I'll be joined by two industry experts from Lonza to discuss non-viral gene modification for ex vivo cell therapy. We'll discuss the types and benefits of non-viral methods for ex vivo cell and gene therapies and the readiness of electroporation-based technologies for use in GMP manufacturing. Now, I'd like to introduce our presenters today. Our first speaker is Valeria Anabaldi, Group Leader of Research and Development Transfection at Lonza. In her current role, she works on the development of next-generation nucleofector platforms and consumables, with the focus on cellular therapy applications and large-scale electroporation. Joining Valeria today is Andrea Toll, Senior Product Manager at Lonza. Andrea is responsible for Lonza's nucleofector transfection portfolio. In her current role, she is focusing on large volume transfection and cell and gene therapy applications, such as CAR T-cells, genome editing and GMP manufacturing. I'd like to thank you both for joining me today. And without any further ado, I'll move on to my first question here, just to set the scene, which is for Valeria. What non-viral methods are currently used in the cell and gene therapy environment? And do you see their use evolving? Non-viral methods can be uh, grouped in two main categories, uh, carrier mediated and methods without a carrier. An example of the first group is represented by lipid nanoparticles. Uh, They form a complex with the cargo molecule and then they are taken up by the cells. Another type of vehicles explored in the field are polymeric nanoparticles, exosomes and uh, other type of vesicles. Alternatively, the cell permeabilization can be achieved by physical or chemical perturbation of the cell membrane. For example, electroporation is based on an electrical stimulation of the cells. Uh, We also have sonoporation, which utilizes acoustic waves to to deliver material into the cells. Other methods uh, rely on mechanical and hydrodynamic forces. For example, in microfluidic squeezing, cells are forced to pass through a constriction and the squeezing makes the cell permeable, enabling the cargo to enter. Another microfluidic method is based on vortex shedding, whereby miniaturized posts cause a vortex in the cell solution in a microfluidic channel and this vortex shedding alter the membrane permeability again um, enabling the cargo to enter the cells. Chemical approaches can also be very effective like the solupore technology whereby a solution containing low concentration of ethanol is delivered to the cells in a specific embodiment and enabling the cargo to enter the cells. And 
Electroporation and lipid nanoparticles are already well established, but some of these other technologies have made big steps forward in the last couple of years, and they are ready or almost ready for clinical use. Great. Thanks so much for that answer, Valeria. Now we've set the scene a little bit. I'd love to hear more about the advantages and disadvantages of utilising non-viral technology for ex vivo cell therapy. Um, viral transduction represents the current standard for cell engineering, and it has been investigated and used for both ex vivo and in vivo gene therapy approaches for decades. We have extensive literature and we have products on the market where the cell modification was achieved with viral transduction. However, the use of viruses also poses some safety concerns related to the random nature of uh, viral integration. And although um, significant work has been done to improve the safety and the efficacy of viral vectors, in recent years, non-viral alternatives are being increasingly adopted because they may provide some advantages over viral transduction due to, for example, to lower safety concerns. So with non-viral technology, the risk of insertional mutagenesis is very low or non-existing. And non-viral methods can also offer the option of transient expression, which is considered safer. Uh, and they can also be used to achieve precise genome editing which is also a safer option. Um, they cause less immunogenicity and um, less toxicity to the cells. And um, another crucial aspect is the lower cost of GMP manufacturing of the therapeutic product. If viruses were used instead uh, for the cell modification, the production of clinical grade viral vectors is expensive, it's time consuming, and it's also uh, challenging to scale. There's also another aspect connected to the long leak time for viral manufacturing. In addition, non-viral methods also offer flexibility with regard to the type of cargo used. This is another great advantage. In comparison to viral transduction, non-viral delivery has fewer limitations towards the type and size of the payloads that can be delivered. And moreover, with some technologies, co-delivery of multiple payloads is possible for uh, complex uh, cell modifications. And talking about potential drawbacks of non-viral methods, I have to say that in the past, the disadvantages of non-viral methods were lower efficiency and thus lower expression of the transgene. And the fact that the nature of the expression was normally only uh, transient. But all the non-viral technologies have done tremendous work in recent years and the low efficiency is no longer an issue. While the transient expression is now considered an advantage in some applications, and if it's uh, not desired, can be overcome by exploring genome editing tools like the transposon transposase systems or the uh, use of nucleases like uh, 
CRISPR-Cas, Tallinn or uh, zinc fingers. Great, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. So moving to our next question, we know that cell types used in cell therapy ap applications can be difficult to transfect using non-viral means. How can these challenges be overcome? Non-viral methods are often used for blood-related disorders, like, for example, leukemia and lymphoma. Um, primary cells, which are in focus for those therapies, like primary T-cells, um, hematopoietic stem cells, or natural killer cells, are historically known to be hard to transfect by non-viral methods. However, this mainly refers to traditional chemical methods used in, in the past. Electroporation can significantly improve efficiency, but um, also require higher doses of payload, which may be toxic to the cells, especially in the case of DNA. So improved um, electroporation-based technique like our nuclear factor technology can overcome this drawback to some extent by requiring a lower level of payload. And in addition, by combining non-viral methods uh, with genome editing tools, stable integration can be achieved with efficiency which are close enough or similar or in some cases even higher than to uh, viruses. And alternatively, in, in case only transient expression is preferred, mRNA can also be uh, transfected into the cells. Great, thanks Valeria. And now turning to you, Andrea, can you tell me about the non-viral gene transfer technology that Lonza offers? Sure. Um, yeah, I think in line with what Valeria said, um, the key for successful implementation of a non-viral technology is to um, combine high transfection efficiencies that can be achieved by viruses typically with the flexibility of a non-viral technology. And our solution is an improved uh, electroporation technology called the nucleofactor technology, which was originally introduced into the market by Amaxa in 2001. And with this technology, optimized electrical parameters combined with cell type specific solutions enable transfer of a molecule directly into the cell's nucleus. And uh, since it does not rely on proliferation due to this nuclear transfer, it can even transfect non-dividing cells like uh, resting T cells. This nuclear transfer makes it particularly beneficial for hard to transfect cells and allows for highly efficient transfection of primary cells, including those um, relevant for ex vivo cell therapy. And let me explain a little bit more how it works. Um, it's based on three key components, a nucleofactor instrument that generates uh, unique electrical pulses, specified nucleofaction vessels, and those are used in combination with cell type specific nucleofactor solutions uh, that act as a supportive environment for high transfection efficiency and cell viability. And the predominant cell therapy applications uh, generated using the nucleofactor technology are, for example, T cells expressing a chimeric antigen receptor, so called CAR T cells, or expressing an engineered T-cell receptor. It can also be genetically modified hematopoietic stem cells or genetically uh, modified induced pluripotent stem cells. 
And uh, regarding the latter, those can not only be modified by use of the technology, but can also be uh, generated with help of nucleofaction by doing the reprogramming step in a non-viral fashion. And natural killer cells might be the next big thing. Yeah, that's good to know. And staying with you, Andrea, what unique advantages does an electroporation-based method offer? Um, yeah, Valeria already mentioned a few things before, which apply for non-viral methods in general, but most of them also for electroporation. So and maybe to add to that, so um, electroporation is relatively easy to establish and can be very efficient, but needs to be balanced out with toxicity. Um, and here, nucleofaction can be beneficial because less payload is required, so less DNA, for example, or less mRNA, and especially DNA can, can be quite toxic to cells. In difference to other non-viral methods, especially the, the um, lipid or chemical-based methods, when using uh, electroporation, the naked cargo is directly delivered into the cell through transient pores in the cell membrane. While with uh, chemical methods, you may rely on the endosomal pathway for cargo release. And this pathway can also trigger toll-like receptor pathways, which can affect the cells in a negative way. Furthermore, uh, electroporation is quite flexible, as Valeria also mentioned before. Uh, it cannot only deliver nucleic acids like DNA or mRNA, but also proteins such as uh, Cas9 ribonucleoproteins for CRISPR-based uh, gene editing, or even combinations of these which are required. For example, when you want to do um, CRISPR-based knockins, you have to co-transfect uh, Cas9 ribonucleoprotein together with a, with a DNA or PCR donor template. As a non-viral method, it's suited for both. You can either do transient expression of a therapeutic gene by delivering plasmid DNA or mRNA, or you can uh, aim for stable genetic engineering of cells by combining it with, um, as Valeria mentioned before, transposon-based uh, systems like Sleeping Beauty or Piggyback, um, as well as engineered nuclease for more targeted integrations like zinc finger nucleases, Talon or CRISPR-Cas9. When using such engineering tools, uh, a few things may have to be considered. Also, similar to, or similar to viruses, transposon-based modifications are generally more efficient but are less controllable as integration occurs randomly in the genome. And in addition, large amounts of DNA that are typically part of this transposon based modifications uh, can be toxic for, cell, for cells, especially T cells. But their researchers have demonstrated that the use, for example, of minimalistic DNA vectors encoding uh, transposon and transposase, so-called mini-circles, or transfecting the transposase as an mRNA might be a promising alternative that provided significantly higher transfection efficiency and less toxicity compared to a plasmid-based approach while keeping functional effects comparable to viral vectors. And with the engineered nucleases like Cas9, a safer and more controlled modification can be achieved because it can be targeted to a specific locus. And uh, by delivering the engineered nuclease as an mRNA or protein, uh, this would allow for a better dosage control of the modification. Another alternative to reduce DNA toxicity can also be, uh, to transfect uh, the CAR receptor, for example, as an mRNA, as Valeria mentioned before. And um, such transiently expressed CAR can tem temporarily limit the CAR-T activity and thus reduce 
of tissue toxicity affecting normal tissue. Great, thanks for the answer, Andrea. Now, ability to scale up is an important consideration for GMP manufacturing and clinical translation of cell therapies. Is this technology scalable to meet the needs of the industry? Yes, um, so our large-scale platform, the so-called Fordinucleofactor LV unit, is designed with this need in mind. The LV unit can handle up to 1 billion cells, in some cases maybe even 2 billion, depends a little bit on the size of the cell type, and um, thus supports most autologous cell therapy applications. Transfection protocols can be established on the smaller scale nucleofactor units and then transferred to the large scale LV unit without the need for extensive reoptimization. In some cases, reoptimization might be required, and uh, in those cases, a highly skilled scientific support team is available at Lonza who can help uh, with any optimization or fine tuning. Furthermore, the use of the LV unit as a manufacturing equipment in a GMP process is supported by various means, like for example, the unit itself can be equipped with a 21 CFR Part 11 compliant software to fulfill documentation needs in a GMP environment. Uh, in addition, Lonza offers IQOQ services for equipment qualification and also nucleofactor solutions and vessels uh, are manufactured according to GMP or ISO 13485 rules um, are available. And actually, some early clinical trials are already ongoing involving the use of this technology. Maybe one additional thing to mention, the system can be closed via weldable connections to up upstream and downstream equipment, like, for example, um, our Cocoon platform. That's great to know. Thanks, Andrea. Now turning back to you, Valeria. What non-viral technologies are currently being used in clinical or commercial applications based on ex vivo modifications? Yeah, except for electroboration and uh, lipid nanoparticles, most of the non-viral methods that I mentioned initially are rapidly evolving but have not yet reached the clinical stage. However, the number of immunotherapy products based on non-viral methods in the pipelines of cell and gene therapy companies has more than doubled in the last seven to eight years. And in particular, there are several clinical trials ongoing combining electroporation with sleeping beauty or electroporation with piggyback transposon transposate systems or even uh, combining electroporation with um, CRISPR-Cas9 approaches. Great, thank you. And my final question is for you, Valeria. What are your predictions for the future of this space as non-viral technologies continue to develop? Yeah, this is a um, very popular question. Uh, uh, up to now, the, the vast majority of gene genetic modification um, has been done with viruses, especially for in vivo therapies, but also for ex vivo uh, therapies. And nonetheless, there is an increase in interest in the non-viral technologies due to the advantages that I mentioned earlier. And I'm expected that in the future, both approaches will coexist 
and with multiple offering in the non-viral space, because there may not be a one-fits-all method. The type of application will probably dictate the technology of choice, for example, the size of a therapeutic dose, or whether the therapeutic approach is autologous or allogeneic. Another determining factor could be the type of disease. Does the modification need to be permanent or is a transient product desirable? And also the specifications of the drug product would also play a significant role for complex gene editing which require multiple uh, modifications. There are already companies exploring combinations of different technologies, for example, viral delivery and electroaggression. Um, and the market research shows that growth is expected for both viral and non-viral technologies in the future as the industry evolves and cell and gene therapy approaches become more and more established. Thank you, Valeria and Andrea, for sharing your insights with us today. This episode was brought to you in partnership with Lonza. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe to the Bio Insights podcast.